verse 9, Jesus calls Matthew. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Thanks, Fee. Thanks for that. We, um, our little section of scripture shows where, where Jesus first met Matthew and calls him. And the first thing he did is reclined at the table in that version. It says Jesus reclined at the table. In most other versions it says he went and had a meal. And then um, as the tax collectors and sinners came and were eating with him. Um, today we're talking about eating and drinking. Our big theme, and I'm going to repeat it again, our big theme this year is moving people in following Christ. We want to be people that move other people to follow Christ, to know Him, introduce ourselves to Him, uh, introduce Him to them and to follow Him. And in that process, you know, we become disciples as well. We begin to develop as disciples ourselves. So we've got a little sub-thing happening and, and I don't have any slides today, so I know. I know, I know. We're talking about the master plan. Jeez, I'm getting looks from over there. We're talking about the master plan, um, the master plan of discipleship, Jesus' master plan. If we look at Jesus and we look at what he did and how he discipled and how he made disciples, we came up with a bit of a master. Hello, we've still got that one from last week. I have got slides, everybody. <laughs> I'm cool. No. So we began by looking at, Glenn helped us look at, the first thing we looked at was priorities. You know, what are our priorities? You know, making priorities and, and our priorities to be about the Father's business. Jesus said, my priority, my, my thing on here, on, my, my deal on here, on here on earth is to be about the Father's business. I'm to be about what the Father sent me here for. And we learn that our priority is about that, to be about Jesus' business. Then Glenn had a, a helped us have a look at opportunities, taking opportunities, using opportunities. He focused us on Zacchaeus and the opportunity Jesus took there. And asked us the question, who has God put in your path? Who's in your path? Who, 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 you know, who would you connect with? And then last week, I talked about making plans. How many people made a plan this week, this last week? Yeah, half of you are fired, but the other half are okay. No, I'm just kidding. But we talked about being intentional about, you know, it doesn't just happen. Jesus wasn't accidental. He didn't just trip into situations and think, oh my goodness, here's an idea. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew why he was meeting people and he knew that every interaction he had with people was about something, was about his father's business, was about the kingdom. Making plans, intentional. Jesus had them and so should we. Today, we want to zoom in a little on one of those ways or one of those plans Jesus used to reach people. Food. I know, right? Eating and drinking. I know, huh? Finally, I'm, some of you are like me are thinking, finally, a gift I excel in. <laughs> you know, a gift that I overperform in. If this is discipleship, I'm in. <laughs> you know? It is. <laughs> Meals are one of the easiest ways to connect, to, to communicate, 
to celebrate, to have fellowship and, and, and show care and to show love. Think about it. We use food and meals in almost every kind of gathering. I was trying to think about it this week. When you think, you know, I, 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 this is a really limited list. Weddings. What do we do when we celebrate a wedding? We eat. What do we do when we celebrate a birthday? We eat. What do we do at family gatherings? We eat. What do we do at social meetings when we get together socially? We eat and drink coffee. What do we do at kind of ceremonies, you know, like formals and, and award nights and, and, and trophy nights? Or, you know, what do we do? Help me here. We eat. <laughs> in ministry, in church, you know, we use food at Cavell Kitchen. We, we build that around food. Nerd space, talk to John. You know, they play games all day. But what they do is they build the community around the lunchtime when they get all the food together. That's what they do. What they do is they eat and the food take, gives them a moment to connect with each other. Breakfast club, eat. Church lunches, we eat. Christmas, we eat. And just being church, if you look at Acts chapter 2, the early church, they got together and what does it say first? They broke bread, they ate. And then they prayed and they learned and listen to instruction. Meals and food are a powerful expression of love, of acceptance, of friendship in almost every culture. You know, um, years ago, when just after the war in Bosnia, uh, I went to I went to Sarajevo to Bosnia to um to help some families get repatriated and. We were coming into, into we, we drove into Bosnia and the first family we met, we were introduced to this family and this was kind of my baptism into Bosnia and we, um, we sat in the lounge room and while the, 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 the woman of the house, the mother of the house was cooking, the man of the house was sitting in his chair in the lounge room, we all had to sit in the lounge room, there were six of us and he had this coffee grinder and he would pick up his beans and he would put his coffee in there and as he would talk to us, he would grind and we'd be talking, you know, telling a bit about ourselves and he would grind when he finished grinding, then someone would come in and take the things and he would then go and percolate. And we'd keep talking and then it would come back and he'd pour these tiny little cups of stuff you can stand your spoon up in. You know. And you don't say, I don't drink coffee. You know, you drink coffee. And when you drink coffee, something in the atmosphere changes. When everybody gets their little cup and has their coffee, something in the atmosphere changes. And all of a sudden, for the rest of our time there, we were family. We belonged, you know, we, if we were moving house, they were there to help us. If they were moving house, we were expected to be there to help them. You now belong. You're part of the family. And it's built around food. And the food came in after the coffee. And, oh, guys, Balkan food. Oh, I excel at that gift. <laughs> oh, the meat. It's just amazing. But, you know, this, this whole sense of you're now family and you're our responsibility. That was like, and, and those of us that have been to Africa, you know, that recently I was in Africa and I just went with three people to measure a block of land. We just needed to measure a block of land. I, my, in my mind, in my Western mind, I was driving there. I was going to drive there. It would take us maybe an hour to hack through the, the scrub and measure the land and get home again. And I had other plans. But when we got there... No, no, we first had to be introduced to the family, the pastor's family. His wife had been cooking all morning. We were to sit down and eat lunch and potatoes and beans and vegetables and pray together and talk together. An hour and a half later, we went to measure the land. 
You know, because that's part of it. This is, you have to eat with us because we want, we want you to belong. We want you to know that you belong. Food is a powerful expression of love and acceptance and friendship. And some of you know that. Some of you have experienced that sort of stuff. Jesus is probably our best teacher in this. Jesus himself said in Luke 7, he said, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. In our text, the first thing he does with Matthew is, Here, Matthew, come and follow me. Let's eat. You know, next time you want to see, come and, come and let's just eat. There was a commentator, Robert Karras, said this. He said, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. So much so that he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. You might remember that. Jesus was always eating. Jesus ate with all kinds of people, tax collectors. He ate with sinners, women, <gasps> friends, and even the odd Pharisee but all with a purpose. His meals and his interactions were all with a purpose. Meals were central to the mission of Jesus. They were central to the mission of Jesus because they embodied, they, they embodied and enacted the grace and acceptance of God himself. They were central to what he did. They were in that culture a message, message of acceptance. In that culture, you can remember the story that uh, when Glenn shared about Zacchaeus. And what did he do to Zacchaeus? He said, I see you up there. We're having lunch at your place. Let's do lunch. And in that culture, there's this sense when you come into someone's house and you eat with them, you accept them and their household and their family. And so Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus was a huge message of acceptance, of love and care. You matter, Zacchaeus. You do matter. They say you don't matter, you're kind of an outcast and, and, and you belong to, but you matter and I want you to know that you belong. If you have a look at the end of the story of Zacchaeus, the last thing he says, this man too is a son of Abraham. Huge statement of belonging. This man too belongs to the family. Abraham's where we all come from. This is who it is. Our experience of God's grace, yours and my experience of that grace, should shape our mission too. What happens when we eat together? Well, we share food as friends. We sit at the table, the same level, around the table. Then we can talk about faith or our shared need for God's grace. Or we can share hearts and we can share the positives and negatives of life together when you're around the table. You can talk about things that are great and things that are not great. How many of you with your families growing up and we had a season where we did it, where we sit around the table and we would say, you know, share one good thing and one not so good thing of your day. Have you ever done that sort of thing? You know, that's a, it's a place that you can do that. A meal equals us. And we sit down and have a meal with someone, it equals us. No one wants to be a project. They want friendship. And that's what we can do. We can share hearts. Jesus ate meals with people. If we routinely share meals and have a passion for Jesus, guys, you can excel at the gift, <laughs> like I do, and you can see it usually. It's not enough. It's about having a passion for Jesus. If we routinely share meals and have a passion for Jesus, we'll almost certainly end up doing mission. You can't, you can't miss not that meals save people, people are saved through the gospel message, but meals create natural opportunities to share that message of hope. 
And one of the cool things about mission through meals is that you don't have to be a great theologian. You don't have to be a fantastic speaker. In fact, you don't really even need to be able to cook. That could be disputable. You can buy stuff to eat together, can't you? We just need to be people who eat and love Jesus. Who's in? I can do both of those. Who can do both? I, I love to eat and I love Jesus. That's all you need to be. It's not about adding something new to your busy... You're not allowed to use the word busy, are we, anymore? I didn't say that. When It's not about adding something new to your schedule. You already eat three meals a day, Right? You could meet up with one or two people, fellow church people or people for breakfast, a grow group people or just a casual, hey, you know, let's have breakfast. You can read the word together. You can offer accountability. You can pray for each other. You could have lunch with a colleague and and just talk about life. What are you doing this weekend? Talk about families, careers, dreams. What would you love to do or etc. You could have your neighbors over for dinner or for a barbecue. How about invite another church family to be there too? Mission and community in one hit. How good is it? And your unbelieving neighbours get to see Christian relationship in action as well. It isn't hard. It isn't rocket science, is it? Francis Schaeffer said this, Don't start with a big program. Don't suddenly think you can just add to your church budget and then just begin. Start personally and start in your home. I dare you. I dare you in the name of Jesus Christ, do what I'm going to suggest. Begin by opening your home for community. You don't need a big program. You don't have to convince your church council or board. All you need to do is open your home and begin. How simple is it? You know, meals are not just a great context for community and mission, though. Meals are central to who we are how we relate to God and the story of salvation, aren't they? Right back through the ages. Again and again in the Bible, God's rescuing His people and His salvation is pictured as a feast, isn't it? The Bible talks about feasts. The, sal- the rescue of salvation and God reaching out to His people is, is pictured as a feast and a meal with God. Feasts like you know the Passover, and Passover was, it was a feast, you know, they, you know, that was when they all got together as, as families and communities and, and remember and believe. Yeah, do you, remember, uh, do you remember when we had to go and kill a lamb and we had to paint the blood on our doorpost? And you know what that was for, kids? You know what that was for? Do you remember what that was for? That was when the angel of death came to kill all the firstborn. He would see the blood and he would pass over us and our family would be spared. Remember how cool was that? They probably didn't say it like that. Remember that that was how we were saved from slavery. Remember how we had such a hard gig here where we were being whipped and we had to make these bricks and, and we knew that there was this promised land, but we were stuck. Remember how that was what rescued us from slavery, how we went out and went to the promised land. That was the stories they would tell at Passover. How thankful are we? Let's celebrate. Let's eat. That's what and then the Feast of the Weeks, you know, the Feast of the Weeks was the, and the Feast of the Tabernacles, all these feasts where they was, were told to gather together in Jerusalem and remember what, remember how generous God's been. And, and then they would have their first fruits offerings in there as well. Isn't that interesting? The feasts included offerings, first fruit 
It was a kind of a cost, an offering, a, a price. <laughs> Our invitation to the feast of God came at a price, didn't it? The precious blood of Jesus, His Son. Because we were the outsiders. We were the enemies. We were the excluded ones, like Zacchaeus. We were maybe the refugees. But Jesus took the judgment we deserved and he became the ultimate outsider. Pushed out of this world onto the cross, forsaken by his father. And what was the result of that? We became the insiders, didn't we? We became the friends. We became the included ones. And this invitation went out and goes out to all of us. Think about it. That's the feast of God. We feast because of the precious blood, the price that was paid. We remember the feast. We're going to do that shortly. We remember the feast because of the precious blood of Jesus. But he brought us in as he sent his son out and we became insiders. So it's no accident, is it, that the heart of what it means to be the church is a meal. The heart of what it means for us to be a community, a community of believers, together or, or connected by salvation, connected because we were all outsiders, connected because we're not anymore because of what Jesus... That's what we have in common. We have different color hair, we have different shaped bodies, we have different things and aspirations in life, but what we do have, we're connected by salvation. And it's no accident that the heart of what it means to be church is a meal, Lord's Supper. Jesus told us to remember Him, not with some lovely sermons and words or, or life groups or grow groups, but in a meal. You see, communion in the early church was a meal. It was a, it was a feast. It was a time to get together and, and eat. And everyone was there. The kids and everybody was there. It's a place where we're reminded and where we remind each other. You see, sometimes we get into this thing where we, we have Lord's Supper or we do communion in churches and we just get someone to, to read out something and remind us. You know, in the Passover, it was a place where they reminded each other. How cool was that? Or how cool is it that we belong? It was a place where we reminded, we reminded each other that we all are recipients of grace. We all needed it and we all got it and we all loved that we all belong, that no one gets left behind in the family. And that all types belong and all types are included. No one, uh, no one gets left behind. I want to read a little story here. And um, it's just no one gets left behind. The film, and you probably haven't seen it. The film Little Miss Sunshine. I don't know if some of you have seen it in your past somewhere. The story of a girl, Olive, who by default or by accident gets through to the regional finals of the Little Miss Sunshine Beauty Contest. John, I'm sure you've seen this film. John has seen every film in the world, you know. So her dysfunctional family head off in their dysfunctional van. She's a fat girl with big glasses about to enter a beauty contest. Getting the picture? At one point, Olive says, I don't want to be a loser because Daddy hates losers. Her father is a failed motivational speaker. And his conversation consists of cliched aphorisms that berate people for being losers. The irony, of course, is that he's a loser and his family are losers. At one point he says, There are two kinds of people in this world, winners and losers. 
On the word losers, the camera pans around his family, his foul-mouthed father, his suicidal homosexual brother-in-law, his son who refuses to speak, his downtrodden wife, desperately trying to hold them together, and himself, the failed businessman who can't face his own failure. And here they are, thrown together in this VW van, which itself is dysfunctional. The door falls off, the horn's constantly on, and they need to push it every time to start it. Yeah. I'm sometimes, sometimes we look at our church and we look at our families and communities and we see a bunch of dysfunctional people, don't we? Thrown together, somehow managing to be a family, managing to be a church family, a church community. And you've got to smile at the ridiculous grace of God, don't you? You know, there's a moment in the film when they suddenly realise that Olive isn't in the van. They've left her behind at the fuel station. They forgot her. We see the van moving across the screen in one direction and then they whisk her into the van without stopping because if they stop, they can't start it again. Sounds like Africa, doesn't it, guys? Then we see the man, van moving back across the other direction and we hear the father's voice, voice and he says, no one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. We're a family. That's the church, a place where no one gets left behind. You know, and that's Jesus' message, isn't it? You know, the, the meal that no one gets left behind. No one is an outcast. No one's an outsider. Today we're celebrating Lord's Supper. You might have seen that and you might have thought, that looks different. This is the meal where we are reminded and where we do get to remind each other of God's great work through Jesus in saving us. Where we recognize... <laughs> And I want you to think of that, where we recognize, where you think of yourself, where we recognize that we are undeserving, yet we're very loved. And you get that. That's that, that's that, that's that sort of um, conundrum, isn't it? We're very undeserving and yet hugely loved. So much so that Jesus allowed his body to be broken, his blood to, shed, to be shed to pay the price for our sin. Now, Lord's Supper or communion, whatever you want to call it, it's a place where we stop just for a bit and we reflect on how that free gift of grace totally changes our future. Totally. Think about it. It really is. And where we consider what our thoughts and what our responses might be, what would come up in us, what, what, what do you think of when you realize what Jesus did totally altered your future, totally changed what, what could have been? What do you think of? What sort of thoughts come up in you? That was the power of the cross in every life, in mine and in your life, that brought us belonging, that brought us salvation, that brought us grace. And that's the reason for this meal as a family, to remember and to celebrate, just like the Passover. Remember what God did. Remember what Jesus did. We might not have been making bricks in Egypt, but we were saved from something that wasn't something that was of the devil and brought into the kingdom of God. Passover was a meal, talking, sharing, remembering together. So we're going to do that today. We're going to have food, we're going to talk, and we're going to pray. And we're going to do it differently today. You know, when you think of Lord's Supper or the way that you we might do it in our church or the way that you've seen it experience before. We think of ways that we do it, but and who can come? Who, who, who is part of the Lord's Supper? Communion, Passover, Lord's Supper. 
was and is for those that know that Jesus did that. Do I always live like that? No, I don't. Do I always reflect that reality in my life? No, I don't. But did Jesus do that for me? Yes. And do I want to reach out my hands and accept that and say, I need that. I do. I do want to do that. And if you know that Jesus died for your sins, if you know that that's the truth, and if you know that Jesus had you in his heart and he gave his life, then Lord's up is for you. If you know that you are rescued, if you know that you are a recipient of grace, because no one gets left behind. We're going to do it differently, and it's going to be a little messy to start with. I want you to um, get yourselves organized into groups of um, six or eight. No. Yeah, six or eight. Minimum of six. Can't be less than six, and it cannot be more than eight. There's a reason for that, okay? And I'm going to do like I did last week. I want you to mix the generations. I want you to have mixed generations, younger people and older people. And now, for some young people that normally don't, are not part of Lord's Supper, this is up to you. If you, uh, if you, like I said before, if you feel like this is for you, that Jesus did this for you, then feel free. If you feel like, no, I don't, I, I don't think so, join the group because there's a few things in the group and I still want you to be part of what we're doing as a group. Okay? So... What I'll do is I will get you to get into groups of maximum eight and minimum six right now and then send one person from your group to come and grab a plate from here. Do that first, get organized, and then I'll give you the next. uh, That would be good. You have to mess with the chairs and everything. You can do this. I know it. Mix up your generations, mix up your peoples, don't hang out with all your friends. How are we going? We've got some groups yet? 30 more seconds to jump in a group. Find one, mate. Just dive into one. Oh, good, good. Yeah, okay. And send one person up to pick up a plate and then give me a little bit of your attention. Okay, have you all in, you everyone found a group? Yeah, and a plate. Do a head count. There's no less than six and no more than eight. You good? Say so yes, we're good. All right, now, if you have a look on your piece of paper, if you can get one person to have a look on your piece of paper, and there, there's your instructions for sharing the meal this morning. All right. Just give me your attention for a minute. There's the instructions for sharing the meal. And hang on, we're still getting one plate. Grab one with a paper on it because I nicked one. Okay. 
All right, so I'm, I'm going to have, uh, what I'd like you to do in your groups, I'd like each person to share, first around the question of what does the cross mean for you? Remember, you do not have to be a theologian or speak lovely. Just what does the cross mean for you? When you hear about the cross and Jesus, what does that mean for you? I would like you to, uh, each person to share that in the group. It doesn't have to be long and heavy. Then I want you to share the elements with each other. And you'll see, um, going left to right, uh, the instructions on there to do that. And then I'd like you to get one person in your group to, eat, uh, to read the words uh, when you eat the bread and then read the words again when you drink the juice. And then I'd like you, uh, at the end of that, to have a time of prayer together. What I'd like for you to do in that prayer time is for it to be a prayer of thanks. You'll also notice that we didn't have a pastoral prayer this morning. You know, in Acts chapter 2, when they gathered together, they broke bread and they prayed. You know what? I bet they prayed about all their needs. I bet they prayed about what they were thankful for. I bet they prayed about, you know, Auntie, Auntie Maggie was sick or couldn't come. I bet they prayed about all that sort of stuff. So I'd like you to pray prayers of thanks and to do a pastoral prayer in your groups. Okay? And then um, when that's all finished, I expect that'll take us 10 to 15 minutes, then I will um, give your attention. But before you begin, I'd like you to look this way because I want to at least introduce with what Jesus did at the start of the meal. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, when he said, thanks for this, Father, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this, enjoy this, have a meal in remembrance of me. In the same way, when they finished eating, he, he got the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this. Do this whenever you drink it and rem in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to share this meal together. And we pray, Holy Spirit, I just pray for you to be central to each one of our groups as we share this morning in Jesus' name. Go ahead and enjoy the meal, guys. So whilst it was kind of um, perhaps in some ways gimmicky or, or different and it was really nice hearing the conversations, that's, that's what it gets like. You know, after a while when you relax, when you've had something to eat, you just start talking and, you know, how, how would it be if you invited some people for dinner and you just started talking and at the end you just said, hey, you know what, let's just pray for each other before you go home or, or let's just, you know, it isn't hard. It's the way Jesus imp impacted people and, and you can impact people as well and it it's a good way to do something. And we have something to share, don't we? Yeah? We do. We have grace, we have life, we have, we, have, we have something to share. So who could you share that same message of grace with around some food this week? I'm going to pray as you think about that. I'm going to Before I do that, I'm going to invite you, if you want to pray after the service with, with somebody, there'll be people here to pray for you, but feel free to grab anybody else and ask them to pray for you. You know, sometimes we need prayer for all sorts of things, even things like this. So I want to encourage you to, to ask people to pray for you. I want you to stay in your groups because what I'd like, we're going to close with a song when I, just after I pray. And I want you to stand in your groups and, and, and sing. Obviously, you might have to crack your neck to have a look at that. But I'll just stand in your, just in your groups 
as your fellowship, as a, as a group, I want you to sing and sing this closing song. But before I do that, let's stand together and let me pray. God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that there are so many ways that we can celebrate that and that food is one of them and it's an awesome way. Thank you that you... Um, that there are no limits to your grace, that there isn't anyone excluded, that, that you invite all of us in, that there's no one left behind. Thank you for reminding us this morning, Jesus, what you did for us, what you were willing to do for us and you did for us, and that that completely changed our future. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name.